0: Is a parasite causing your constipation? It was for me in 2015, and in our episode today, I'm interviewing Dr. Michelle Pobega, a naturopathic doctor who's been practicing for over 12 years in Toronto, Canada. Dr. Michelle struggled for years with IBS before she figured out how to actually heal her gut. After she found a parasite was at the root of her gut health problems, she has dedicated her practice to specialize in parasites, liver, and gallbladder health. On today's episode, we'll be covering all things parasites, how pervasive they are, signs and symptoms, how to assess for them, and most importantly, how to properly purge them. Hey friend, welcome to the Better Belly Podcast. Do you want freedom from bloating and constipation? Do you find yourself up late at night Googling natural constipation remedies, causes for bloating, or recipes and exercises to help constipation? Are you frustrated with the mind game of trying to figure out what foods are helping or hurting your gut? Hey, I'm Allison, mom, wife, and functional gut health practitioner. At a young age, bloating and constipation were my constants. I didn't know what to do and wished I could just live a normal life focusing on my passions, my job, and my family. I was tired of abdominal pain that woke me up at night and wasting time and money on gut health remedies that just didn't work breakthrough moment the functional medicine and osteopathic approach to gut health in this podcast you will find natural remedies for bloating and constipation practical doable belly exercises and massages and debunk the myths about what really is causing your tummy problems so toss out those laxatives and say goodbye to that embarrassing gas your gut health is calling and just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, guys. Well, I'm so excited today to welcome to the podcast, Dr. Michelle Pobega. She is a naturopathic doctor in the Toronto area whom I got connected with via a her podcast co-host, Dave we took a course together and I loved Dave. And then I got to come on to their podcast, which is that naturopathic podcast. Go check it out. We'll have a links in the show notes, but we got to talking and I learned that Michelle loves parasites and among some other things. But I love parasites and she like I think she loves them more than me. Um or at least killing them maybe, right? Get helping people get rid of them. And so I said, "Michelle, will you please come on on the Better Belly podcast?" and she said, "Yes." So, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today.
1: Oh my god, it's a pleasure. Any opportunity I have to create greater awareness around parasites is a is an absolute pleasure for me. like I'm so, <laughs> I, I I feel like it's my newfound like uh hope to start spreading the word and normalizing conversations around this because it's a much bigger deal than people realize or really want to admit to themselves. Mm. Okay. that's like you I've already so I want to ask you so many
0: questions. but let's just start off. why parasites? Why
1: are you so passionate about parasites? The 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 trajectory of this journey probably started maybe I want to say eight or nine years ago. I was introduced to a live blood analyst who's so passionate about microbes and assessing them and looking at them under a microscope. And I started working with her, and she started showing me things about parasites. And then I began to refer clients to get this type of testing done because she was so proficient and so passionate about what she did. I was like, this chick is amazing. And through her, I began to understand parasites. And they're, how pervasive they are and how poop testing is not enough because people will come back saying, I got a negative poop test, but then she's seeing these things within the bloodstream. And when they start to clear them, there's a resolution in symptoms and discomfort and health improves. So I was like, okay, there's something to this. And that kind of spearheaded my love of parasites. So whenever there has been an opportunity to take a webinar or learn something or a new product was released or so, I've been kind of it's always been on my mind to learn more because I realized even within my profession, six, five, six years ago, I was like, there's not really a lot of people who are probably talking about this. There's not a lot of people who are as aware as we should be about this. Our testing is deficient. um, And I don't even think I learned properly about this in school, which means Mm. a lot of naturopaths probably didn't learn about this in school either. So I had to do my extra legwork. And it be kind of came my thing. I also have an invested interest in digestive health from a clinical focus perspective. So it all just lined up and learning about parasites and helping people clear them helped the trajectory of their healing process from a gut health perspective too. So, um, it just kind of kept spiraling from there. And I feel like it's my mission to spread the good word now.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So again, so much to talk about. Let's start with this. Um, And I'm curious, I have my own answer. I want to hear your answer on this. Uh, This is actually secretly why I want you on the podcast. I want to compare notes and then, no, it's great. (laughs) Honestly, right. I I want our listeners to even realize there's humility amongst practitioners. We can be very, I've been very good at getting rid of parasites in clients, but there's always room for more. And Mm -hmm. then there's also, I mean, if you've learned this much, let's see what's going on. So this is my question. Um, Why do you think that parasites are so under talked about or, or under even
1: looked into? I think there's misconceptions about um, how you can come even in contact with a parasite. I think there's a lot of uh, people think, I think you have to travel to like a third world country to an <laughs> Africa to have gone backpacking through Vietnam or, you know, something like that, or to have acquired a parasite. I I think there's a lot of misunderstanding that it's local to our current environment, period. Um, So people don't think that it's part of the problem, number one. As, as just general general people looking to improve their health, I don't even think that they connect the dots that, oh, I traveled 20 years ago. Do I still have a pathogen that's never reared its ugly head the way I expected it to? Or I had diarrhea, but it cleared up after a couple of days yes. when I went to the Philippines. And then I'm like, okay, great. How many, how many years ago? Well, that's 20 years ago. That, that can't be possibly there anymore. So So I think a lot of people think that once the initial symptoms have passed, that's no longer a problem. I think that people think that just because they took the due roll and the shots that they can't be harboring a fugitive because they did that due diligence, where really those types of things are mostly meant to d- reduce the severity of the symptoms so that your body is primed and ready to have an immune response to those types of infections. But it doesn't mean that you completely cleared it from your system. Um, I think a lot of people think that, well, everyone around me had traveler's diarrhea, but I was fine. And I was like, well, maybe your body's just not as effective as clearing it out of the system. And that's why you didn't have diarrhea. Right. 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 And the other problem is, is a lot of testing is uh, for lack of better wording, absolute garbage when it comes to actually identifying parasites, just like I alluded to with um, the live blood and my introduction of live blood, how she was saying a lot of times, for instance, Ascariasis is actually quite common as a parasite, especially in North America. And it's not necessarily deemed quote unquote pathogenic. So with standard ova and parasite stool culture tests through the medical medical world, like you would get from your family doctor, a lot of times they're not even testing for it. Yes. So then if they're not looking for it, specifically, then they're just ignoring it if it's possibly there, or their testing apparatus isn't primed to be able to identify it. So it's just completely missed. And then she sees it within the live blood. And that's where some of the discrepancy comes on. So sometimes medical standard medical tests aren't testing for the full breadth of what we could be testing for. So it misses a lot. Also, if a medical doctor isn't sending you with more than one fecal test to try to capture a parasite at different parts of the life cycle, those tests are not sensitive enough to pick up little fragments of DNA possibly. So they have to catch it at specific parts of the life cycle. And different parasites have different life cycles where they can be more actively showing themselves within the fecal matter. So if they're not sending you with like three different tests and saying space them five to seven days apart, there's a good chance you're missing a parasite as well. So I think that's where a lot of misconception is um, around the prevalence of parasites. I think it's one, just the public's perception of it, but also testing strategies are not sufficient.
0: And I want to ask you a question uh, real quick. How do you, are you saying live blood analysts? Is that the word or is-
1: Yeah, I think they go by different ways, like live layered microscopy, live blood anal- analysis. I think that's kind of the the two terms, the two bigger terms for that type of testing. Okay. Um the company that I use is called Microcell Sciences. They are specific to um Canada, my area, my local oh, area because yeah, is Shannon is the woman who started it. And she was a one woman show and she's the one who taught me a lot about parasites initially. And then I've kind of done my due diligence outside of that after, but she kind of sparked my interest in this. And it's her passion. Like she'll text me and be like, I have X amount of textbooks and I found this link between this bacteria and how it changes, how a red blood cell looks like. So I've been able to stage the development of bacteria as they've invaded the bodies. Like she's wildly passionate. So she now has gained so much popularity that certain medical doctors even refer to her. And she's trained different technicians to work in satellite clinics, to be able to cover a larger space, to be able to provide her services, okay. but it still is Ontario specific. I'm, so just- I'm
0: going to look her up. And if we have yeah. any ta- uh, Toronto or Ontario, the yeah. you know, whole Ontario listening, um, find this lady, find someone who works with this lady, reach out to do- Dr. Michelle. Cause this is solid. Um, I'm getting excited. Cause, cause a lot of times doctors, yeah, we, we aren't, Like, you have to be so specific to understand how to do all this lab testing. And I find I end up telling clients, even for the lab testing I do, it's just better. It's just better than what conventional doctors are doing. But
1: these people, they know what they're doing. (laughs) They do. They know everything. The good thing is with naturopaths and even functional medicine doctors, we have far more comprehensive stool culture testing. Yes. Which uses testing strategies that are more specific, more sensitive. Um, are testing for a broader spectrum of microbes. So things like uh, Genova testing, GI 360, GI map, those are extremely comprehensive poop test that talk about parasites, viruses, bacterial issues, fungal and candida issues, can talk about digestive enzymes, fecal, occult fecal blood and, and mucus and stuff like that. Um, and then they also do have some testing parameters to test for the good bacteria balance. Cause we also want to understand like, do we have enough of the good? And yes. I find that those are far more comprehensive and those are still very valuable, but one thing that I find limiting about poop testing is it's still mostly a sample size of your colon and maybe the lower half of your small intestines, right? So it's not necessarily telling me what's happening in your liver and your gallbladder, which is a big deal. It's not necessarily telling me what if there's anything hiding in your red blood cells, which Ascariasis can lay its eggs in your red blood cells and then travel to your lungs and cause more mucus issues, it's not really telling me what's happening on systemic level. So there is no one perfect test. I really, this is really the thing you might have to go towards more than one test to really get much more of a complete picture.
0: Yes. And that, that is true. That is super true. And for our listeners, I sometimes get asked in my clinic, I don't know if you get asked this uh, Dr. Michelle, but you know oh is there only is there one test i could get i'm like we can start with one test but it cannot tell us everything it just no. can't there's no. no way to do that um so just knowing even for off the start if you've been listening to this and you said i've gotten a parasite test and i did a parasite cleanse and it said it was gone on the stool test but you still don't feel good the intracellular problem in general, um, for example, mold, mold can get into and mycotoxins can get intracellular, is a whole next level of things you want to be looking into and considering. Do you have a pathogen that is, you know, Lyme, all these things that hide in the cells of the body, which is just so mean? And but but we have tools. That's the good news. Yeah. Um, but they're not tools that conventional doctors are working with or that they will
1: tell you about. That's why nope. we have Michelle here today. <laughs> Funny thing that You were saying about the limes and the mold is parasites can do the same thing. They can hide within the spaces of the cells, but they can also hide inside your cells and they can hijack the nutrients of your cells and just lie dormant for decades. Yes. Which is why maybe you're not also going to capture it on a test because your body is very smart as well. So sometimes we have these things like stealth pathogens and stealth microbes. And sometimes when your body is overwhelmed and it's compartmentalized and compensated and decompensated and had to steal from one area to feed another area, like I like to say, steal from Peter to pay Paul in order to like shift attention and nutrients and stuff. Sometimes your body actually hides stuff and it compartmentalizes things because it just can't deal. There's too many things to have to deal with. And it might also do that with pathogens and things. So then the immune system is not necessarily aware of these things existing and they can lie dormant. Also, parasites are just really smart and know how to lie dormant and change their shape. They can hide inside cysts, they can change their protein structures on their external surface. So um, they understand how to hide dormant. So that's why it's also confusing for people when they're like, I had diarrhea and then it was gone. It's like, well, it might have burned its way deeper and then hijacked your cells and just like, Chilled so out. you don't
0: have diarrhea as a symptom anymore, right? right. But you have other symptoms now. You have right. chronic muscle pain, foggy headedness, poor memory, irritability, insomnia, OCD. anxiety. Yes, <laughs> yes. like He's it's just—it's literally
1: all over the place. And the funny thing is, as you're talking about mold and lines is like. Parasites are a Trojan horse to bring on a whole bunch of other pathogens. They can bring in mold and limes and they can make you hold on to candida and bacterial issues and other pathogens and heavy metals more. So if you have a really complex condition, don't like don't rule out parasites immediately just because you don't have X symptoms that we assume are parasitic related because parasites can have a myriad of symptoms. And maybe that's the thing that we should go into a little bit more so people can start to realize how how much this can affect your body? There's like a massive list I have in front of me that I just has a reference. Read it so off. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna list it off. So abdominal pain or discomfort, air hunger—that's always a wild one. Allergies can be exacerbated by parasites because they will also affect your eosinophil count. So I always look at that with blood work as well, just from more of like a labby uh, nerd perspective. When I'm looking at someone's standard CBC, complete blood cell count, I look at their total white blood cell count and then I look at the differentials and I always divide each differential over the total to see what percentage of space they're each taking up. And when it comes to the eosinophils, it should never be more than 3%. Right. And if it's over 3% of your total white blood cell count, I start to, and they don't have overt allergy symptoms. I start to wonder if there's a parasitic infection because your eosinophils are going to be part of the defense system against parasites. So
0: Now I've seen clients get, uh, their, their doctor says your eosinophils are high and um, then they connect it with like eosinophilic esophagitis. Do you find that there is a connection between that and parasites, or is it? Uh, there not- could be, yeah. There could exactly because they they just see the high eosinophils and they're like, that's what it is, and like yeah. like nothing else could cause it. Um, yeah. as long as of course the esophagitis is one of the main symptoms. But I was, I've, I have seen some correlation though it's not perfect with high eosinophils. Um, and then eosinophilic esophagitis popping up mm. um, when no matter the food sensitivities that they, they can't get rid of enough foods to get the esophagitis to go away or the inflammation.
1: Yeah. There might also just be an exacerbation of your immune system because of pathogens. Exactly. Exactly. Right now that, that I see a ton of, um, okay.
0: But air hunger,
1: high, uh, allergies, anemia is a big one because they do feed off of not only iron, but also B12. So it could be pernicious anemia or iron deficiency anemia, uh, anxiety, arthritis, autoimmune conditions is a big one because they're an irritant to your immune system, bedwetting in kids. Is another one Um, persistent bedwetting bladder inflammation bloating chronic fatigue constipation diarrhea so it's not just diarrhea guys you could be bunged up because of parasites as well Um, fevers flu-like symptoms food sensitivities will be exacerbated by pathogens including parasites Gallbladder and bile duct diseases, because they can fester inside the ducts and then plug up your ducts, which means your bile can't flow efficiently, which then can lead to more stone formation if you can't have that proper flow. Uh, Gassiness, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, headaches, insomnia, itching around the anus, leaky gut, low blood sugar, muscle joint pain, nausea, nutrient deficiencies, seizures, rashes, and sores. I find itchy skin is a big one too. Teeth grinding, vomiting, insomnia, weak immunity, and... Weight loss, but I would also even put weight gain in there. Yeah. Like so, it's just like this laundry list of things, and it's <laughs> way more than the gut. Totally. Way
0: more than the gut. Way more. Way more than just diarrhea. Right. Can totally include the gut. But then you have someone who's, they've got a skin problem and they've got bloating and they've got a headache and they get sick a lot and they can't digest fats and get pain in the right shoulder. And maybe have already had their gallbladder removed and they just think they're all separate problems. But it is this parasite just being allowed to live there free of rent. Well, it's not free of rent. I mean, it's it's taking all your rent. It's taking all your money. It's a freeloader. It's it's freeloader and stealing from you all of your money um, for, for, for years and decades. And, and then of course, once you're, you're depleted in, in reserves of energy and nutrients, it's so much harder to get rid of. And if someone comes to, I'm actually curious if you, if you have more to say on this one, when someone comes to me, I'm kind of like, Hey, we can't even deal with this parasite until we start to put together the rest of your jumbled, like, nutrient deficiency and poor detox pathways and
1: stuff but i'm you're making a face i want to hear what you want to say i had a deep inhale because yes so Sinai's with the nutrient deficiencies, for me, it really depends on how severe they are. If their iron level and their B12 level is like really low, then I will supplement first. But if it's kind of borderline, then I don't necessarily want to feed the beast either. Exactly, so, yes. So it, it, I'm not talking about iron and B12 typically yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I just wanted to be clear about that for people who are listening. But yes, there needs to be a level of vitality in the person before they can start undergoing an ex, like a detox because parasites... The bigger ones are going to come out first. So you're more likely to maybe see some in the first few months of a parasite cleanse in the poops. But after that, they may be more microscopic and not visible to the naked eye. And it can take months sometimes to pull the little things out from the cells and in the intracellular space and really yes. pull it out of the system. Yes. So It can be nine to 12 month process, maybe with intermittent breaks to give the body a bit of a pause. So your body needs to be in a vital enough state to undergo that type of process. And you also mentioned your detox pathways have to be capable and able a hundred percent because otherwise not only are you gonna feel worse throughout the process, you could cause more problems if you are not able to properly get rid of these things because then you're gonna force your body to start making other compartmentalizing and compensation choices if we don't clear those ducts and allow things to completely flow out of your system effectively. That means you gotta be pooping every day. That's a hard one because a parasite's contributing to constipation there's, there's a push pull. So sometimes I might have to give something that moves the bowels without being an extreme laxative, but like maybe higher doses of magnesium or some, some, maybe like a gentle amount of cascara or something, something that's a digestive stimulant to allow things to move. Or maybe I will suggest that they do some enemas or go get colon hydrotherapy to start getting things unplugged. And then we need to make sure your liver and gallbladder are flowing freely. Now, that being said, again, a parasite might be plugging up a duct, but this is where maybe I'm like, okay, well, do we do some coffee enemas to open up your bile duct and get your liver and your gallbladder flowing more freely? Do we have to do a liver gallbladder flush? Because I am suspicious of stones. And that can often like loosen and jostle parasites out just in and of itself. Cause those are both pretty like intense flushes from the gallbladder. We need to make sure your lymphatic system is flowing properly. Cause that drains on a cellular level and that supports your immune system. Like there's steps. And people think, oh, yes. I have a parasite. Let's just jump to like step five. And I was like, listen, guys, when you build a house, you don't start with the fifth floor. You pour a strong foundation first. So um, we have to make sure that those things are in place. So I appreciate you bringing that up in the conversation.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, Have do you have any experience? Because I know you, you've you co-hosted with Dave and you've heard of visceral manipulation. Have you? Do you have any experience working uh, using visceral manipulation or referring someone to get it uh, done to support liver and gallbladder health
1: yes <laughs> the shorter answer is absolutely yes right um I am curious about doing a visceral manipulation course myself because I'm seeing more and more value to that but I do refer to osteopaths because that is probably the the closest connection that I know of that that can handle that um and I have had, one of my osteopaths, uh, well, both of them have have talked about how some of my clients have these rigid livers and like stagnant and not moving, or they're well for their clients who have those types of symptoms to me. Um, and the one osteopath told me a parasite will actually deplete the vital pulse of an organ. So I had someone who had liver flukes and she was young, um, well, early 20s, And we found liver flukes after her liver enzymes were a little bit elevated. And I noticed some like discoloration of her hands in a yellow way. And we started clearing them and she saw things come out in her bowels and she was tripping out over that, which is a wild experience for everybody. Um, (laughs) And I think it's hilarious to watch their expressions when they come back to the office after having a purge. But um,
0: when you say liver flukes, I'm not sure mm -hmm. if I'm familiar with the term, is it l f l u k e s flukes
1: yeah f l u k e s so they're they're the types of bugs that have an affinity for the liver so yeah. um like as an escape an i can't can remember how to say it but it's one that's specific from sushi okay right um uh Oh my god, I'm losing all my mind. Uh, that's trying okay. to think of all the names and stuff, but aniscariasis uh, is another one. There is uh, and there's another one that literally has hepatica and tamiba hepatica. My goodness, I can't remember. Okay, that's special. Yeah. Anyways, there's a bunch of liver flukes. She had a bunch. She had various ones when we when we tested for them. Regardless. And then we were doing some things and she found like her symptoms were getting better and then they kind of plateaued. So then we started doing some coffee enemas to help like get bile flowing better in the liver gallbladder. Things got better and then plateaued. And I was like, this is interesting. So uh, we also did a liver gallbladder flesh more specific to bile stones. Things got better then they plateaued. And I was like, "Hey, you got to go see someone to manually assess your liver because something doesn't feel right. And the osteopath said that her liver as actually felt very stagnant and very rigid and hard. And when the osteopath came back to talk to me, she said, uh, your client commented that she had liver flukes at one point. She was like the liver, like parasites will affect the natural pulse of the organ. So I find that those organs are rigid and hard, so they don't have their own vitality. So then they can't work well. So she advised me that during a parasite cleanse, to to get some visceral manipulation work, but also after to help revitalize the organs that those parasites were existing in.
0: That is, I'm 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 jumping in my chair, y'all, because I I'm the only person that I know who talks about that doing it. Because <laughs> clients come in and say. When do I get visceral manipulation? When do I not? And I will do a physical evaluation to try to get a feel on, on indiv- on an individual basis what that person might most benefit from. But frequently, what it's happening is it's before, during, and after, and some mix of the of the two, depending on how far the client lives from me, how often they can find someone to do visceral manipulation. But it's so helpful because it it helps be part of part A opening up detox pathways, because your liver is a part of the detox pathways. So getting that liver mobilization, but then part B, like enhancing it once you've done the liver flushing and making sure. I mean, it's just one thing I will say, if someone's listening to this and you're like, well, do I need liver help? I want to just make one, number one, if you've ever had an acupuncturist especially if it's repeatedly, if, you, if, if you're if you a listener and you go to an acupuncturist and say, you need liver, you need liver, your liver's congested, your liver's congested, get visceral manipulation for your liver and maybe check out for parasites, work with someone like Michelle or myself to get a deeper look into your parasites. Cause that acupuncturist, they know how to feel organ vitality. It's very real. Um, but physically you okay if I share some of these things, sure, Michelle, um, Physically, liver can actually cause a lot of pain and problems on the right side of the body because the majority of its mass is on the right side of the body. So a stiff torso, so you can't turn often to the right, but even to the left where you can't rotate the torso well, pain in the right shoulder where you can't even, um, I have had a literal case of someone got a diagnosis, a frozen shoulder on their right arm, had had 18 sessions of pt that didn't solve it and comes and see me sees me and in two sessions they can lift their arm uh, more than 90 degrees above their head mm-hmm. um, and that was because of the a liver restriction holding their right arm down um so right neck stiffness right pain in the ear tinnitus in the ear um just TFJ in the right jaw which can affect the whole jaw but those are physical symptoms that the like pain that the liver could actually be causing. And we're over here getting a massage (laughs) on my back stiff. Right. And the massage temporarily helps. And then it, and then it doesn't. Um, and then biochemical stuff, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And I actually want to link some podcast episodes just to, um, for people to dive deeper into those, but there's a whole host of biochemical things going on that, that you think it's a cholesterol problem and you're eating too much meat or something. And it's just your liver is, is not happy with you. Right. So I'm going to link some stuff there for
1: for people. You were just saying like, if anyone's ever curious, if you need some liver work, I would probably be like, just assume you do. We live in an extremely toxic (laughs) world. (laughs) Right. Like I just like, just assume. Yes. If you haven't already been working with an afterpath and done some liver related stuff, you probably need some liver work. I always brush up them. I'm, I eat cleaner than 90% of the population probably, but I'm still supporting my liver. I've done liver flushes. I don't have any overt stones, but I've done a liver gallbladder flush. I've done 7, and I'm still eliminating hundreds of stones every time I do it, which is probably one of the biggest sources of why my digestion has been so dysfunctional for so many years. And even mm-hmm. though after 6 years ago when I had a huge breakdown in my digestion as well as my overall health, um I have gained a lot more awareness and understanding and I've done a lot of healing on my gut. But now that I've been doing these liver gallbladder flushes and I was like, there's still so much more to go. Like this could have been one of the biggest root causes is why I had all these problems in the first place and why they kind of just rear their ugly head every once in a while when things get bad. So um, you don't have to. It doesn't mean that you're an alcoholic. It doesn't mean you've done drugs. It doesn't mean you, it just means you're alive and you live in a world where our chemical exposure has exponentially increased and our liver has such a vital role in managing our overall health. It literally has its hand in so many functions we cannot underestimate the importance of supporting liver health. When people say you don't have to optimize detoxification to get these parameters better, I'm just like, what world do you live in? Like the liver actually has a role in all those things. Yes, <laughs> yes. So that, I mean, I, I support my liver all the time, every day.
0: And when I get clients who are like, do I really need to support it? Or they're shocked when the very first thing I have them do is do two things to support their liver. And like 30% of the, 30 inte- 30- percent of the intensity of their top three symptoms goes down. It's like, great. That's just yeah. the tip of the iceberg. But moving on, I want to, I want to ask, so say someone's listening and they're either anticipating what's the process like, or they have tried a parasite cleanse, or they mm-hmm. know they have a parasite and they're wondering, do they still have one? Good question for you. When or how do you feel that you
1: are confident that a parasite's gone for a client or a patient? some retesting um, and signs and symptoms because more often than not, it's signs and symptoms and their overall health. But I do have the live blood testing to understand on a blood level and on an intercellular space level, how things have shifted and cleared out because that's going to be one of the deeper levels that I'm going to be able to see. Um, I also have a really cool test available through my Georgetown office, which is more of a biofeedback and a bioenergetic test. So I find this is, this is a test that is non-discriminatory as to where something is, but it can pick up on the subtleties of things. And that helps me understand if things are fully cleared. Um, but a lot of times it's even just signs and symptoms, but usually I'm doing some kind of test, like I'm doing the bioenergetic test or re- retesting with a comprehensive stool culture test, or we're doing a live blood test and seeing how things have shifted. And I usually will do a series like a few months of treatments before I'll even go send to retest to see how their progress is cuz things are going right. to change. Exactly. Um so that's that's typically how I gauge it. That's But it's it's really about having good conversations with your clients and having them be- become aware of their symptoms, how their body's reacting and also healing is not some beautiful sunshines and rainbows linear trajectory up. There are dips in there. And every time you add a new layer of cleansing or go deeper, it unpacks and unearths a whole bunch of weird stuff. So um, sometimes you things can get feel a little worse. Bit... And then you will... right, right. so sometimes things get a little ugly before they get better. And it's a matter of having that constant communication with your clients, which is why, you know, a client getting a protocol, doing one, and then coming back six months later because they started to feel marginally better. It didn't mean we got them to the end point because they just thought this was enough. Um, it is a process to get rid of parasites. It's not here. Let me grab this parasite kit from the health food store. That's a two week parasite kit and thinking you've done the trick. I think that's more of a surface scrub personally. And it's not really, that's not deep cleaning. That's not going to get you the results you want, at least not long-term. No, it's probably just gonna make you want to poop your pants personally. But you think it did something. <laughs> exactly. That's the illusion of it. There's a lot of laxatives in those typically, even herbal laxatives, right? And, and so, I mean, and, and it
0: it's, it's easy to sell. It's easy to say, here's a little package on a shelf. Even if it's $100, that's way cheaper than testing and working with a professional and buying the actual high quality supplements that are going to work i'm just gonna be honest like like it's it's appealing because it just seems simple and quick and cheap and you're like why shouldn't it work it has you know parasite cleanse on it i get it too um and and by the way for anybody who just heard Uh, Michelle say biofeedback, bioenergetic tests, I am going to have a podcast episode. If it's not out yet, um, check it out in the future with a woman, Heather Gray specializes in Lyme. And we talked all about biofeedback and bioenergetics. So if you've heard that word before or haven't, and you're just like, not sure what it is, check out and see if there's a link in the show notes of Heather's podcast episode. And I might even intentionally
1: put hers out first, Michelle, so that people can see it, but I love that you're doing that. I do. I find it's helpful because it's also telling me a whole bunch of other parameters about the body as a whole. Again, so we're not just focusing on one piece of the puzzle because parasites are one piece of the puzzle. They're still just a piece you still have to look at the body as a whole. I treat the person. I'm not treating the parasites. I'm treating the person. I have to work with the ebbs and flows of things. Like we said, are they vital enough? Are their drainage pathways open? You know, uh, what if they have a healing crisis? I need to know how to support that. Um, I need to, I will add maybe different kinds of binders, different based on what's happening. Do they also have heavy metals? Do they tend to have a lot of skin issues? We might start proceed more gently because of that. It's it really becomes an individualized therapy. And I find the bioenergetic testing gives me a a lot of different pieces of the puzzle as well, which is kind of cool. And I find it an invaluable tool in my toolkit, but, but yeah.
0: No, that's great. Um, real quick, will you just define or describe what a healing crisis is for someone, any, if someone hasn't heard what that is or heard of it before?
1: Yeah. So I think skin is a nice one because it's quite easy to describe. Like if someone is already prone to acne, eczema, psoriasis, your skin is an organ of elimination. And then when you start to shake things up in the system and now have to make your immune system aware of bugs again and start mobilizing things, that might get worse. You might have a breakout of psoriasis. You might have a rash breakout. You might have the acne breakout. And that can feel very traumatizing for people. So you need to understand how to mitigate that. Or People will feel bedridden. I, I have someone right now that I know is going through a heavy, she's not, she's um, a family member of mine. And I referred her to somebody who lives locally to her who specializes in limes and molds. And she's having a healing crisis right now. She's having a hard time kicking these things out because her body's detox pathways are not as good. Even though they did a massive prep work, she bought like a portable sauna so she can sweat at home, all these things. She's having like some weird twitch like symptoms as part as her body as the body is now trying to rally to get rid of these things and sometimes in order to do that again it's taking nutrients from one area bring it somewhere else there might be uh some compensation factors your body's now hyper aware of all these microbes and being like how do we even manage all of this so th- there's like there's weird reactions that can happen when when or you can feel exhausted you can feel like you're coming down with a the flu there's a lot of things that can happen um yes that we assume are a negative outcome, but it's really your body just processing and working through properly purging these things. Um, And that's where it becomes really important to have the conversations with clients and make them aware that some things might show up and that's not necessarily a bad thing. If it becomes really aggressive, call me, we'll see if we can do something to palliate the symptom a little bit to make it a little bit more comfortable for somebody. Um, But healing isn't easy, especially if it's a chronic layered complex condition.
0: Yeah, so basically, a healing crisis is you get all these negative symptoms, like on your skin, as you gave an, as an example, yeah. as you're actually doing the work of of actually healing, but you feel worse, and so yeah. psychologically it's confusing, yeah. um, but then also it it it's just unpleasant. It can be physically unpleasant because it's painful or whatever. So working with your practitioner, you're with. Because we don't know how everybody's bodies are going to respond. The, like Everybody's body is the most intelligent person in the room as far as the body. <laughs> like, that's why we always are going back to, what are your symptoms like? and and by the way that is so different than conventional medicine they don't even care about your symptoms it's all in your head they'll say or whatever it is so um well i'll decide what i feel about when the test gets back i'm like symptoms matter so for whoever needs to hear it on the podcast today your symptoms matter it is not in your head
1: no no and healing is healing is healing is hard it's not always smooth sailing. It can be, not not everyone. Like I people go through these parasite protocols and they're like, I feel great. Um, but that's not everyone, right? Because everyone's got their individual, like everyone has a unique fingerprint with how their life trajectory has brought them to this point. So there's layers to unpack when you go through that. And sometimes I get people and like we peel a layer back and all of a sudden it unearths all these wild things. And they're like, where did this come from? Now I have insomnia. Now I'm constipated. Is that normal? that's why being able to touch base. And like, like you said, talking about your symptoms, communicating that it's super important to understand how we need to adjust the process yeah. because it's not just the same thing over and over again, especially with parasite cleansing. I don't just do the same thing every for six months on the row. You have to be smarter than the parasites. You have to change it up. So you have to challenge the body in a new way. And it's, I like to say it's like a sneak attack. You can't just, cause they get, they, they know how to adapt they know they are smart. They know how to hide in your body for decades, guys. So they know how to adapt when they start realizing there's a pattern to what's happening. So I'm changing the parasitic protocol. I'm changing the liver remedies. I'm, you know, it's maybe I'll take periodic breaks to catch it a different part of the life cycle. It's not just the same thing day in and day out and thinking you're doing a good job. So that and that, every time you change something, you challenge the body in a new way and they might have a slightly different reaction.
0: That's so good. And good good reminder for our clients and or our listeners. Um, so the last question I wanted to ask you was, I just want to hear your thoughts on how you keep parasites away and or the idea of like, if someone, if a client, I'm guessing people have asked you this before, like, well, I need to do another parasite cleanse because I totally agree with you. There are so many possible sources of par- re- getting parasites. And I I'm, I'm a little bit of the opinion of like, you can't perfectly be like, oh, I'm just never going to get a parasite again. Um, there's just too many opportunities or sources. So what's been your experience either in your own health or with maybe long-term patients you've worked with, or how would you approach this conversation on, do I do another parasite cleanse or how do I keep the parasites away? Just thinking futuristically, if someone who's like, right, I think I'm done, but what
1: now? Right. I think it's the same premise of thinking that we can all hide indoors and and hide from a virus. It's impossible. Like, like, (laughs) sorry, I just put that out there. I feel like we live in a biosphere of an ecosystem of a variety of microbes. We are constantly exposed day in and day out. You can't hide from these things. And some parasites are actually beneficial for our microbiome. And it's about finding a harmony. Really, the thing is, is how healthy is your system? How healthy is your terrain to maintain the right balance of the right things in your system? And then it'll probably manage most parasites on their own. That being said, you could very well come in contact with something that's even more foreign. Your body hasn't experienced. So I remember attending a webinar about parasites several months, like several years ago. And the guy was basically like, if you have a policy, you have a parasite. That's basically how it is. Like, it's just that common. So what I tell people is if we've gone through the process of doing a six, nine, 12 month, I don't know, whatever it is to clear these buggers out. The next step is strengthening your digestive system. The next step is how do we improve your microbiome? And then we want to maintain open detoxification pathways, and maintain like making sure that your terrain is as healthy as possible. That will create an environment that doesn't allow excessive pathogens to just take over and thrive and take control, like take the driving wheel Um, because a toxic system is going to be a breeding ground for these things to just like go and hog wild in your body. So that is another thing that we have to keep in mind that just because you clear the parasites, you're not done. You got to strengthen the system. You got to clean up the terrain and you got to, create a resiliency for, from a preventative perspective. That being said, I typically say every one to two years, it's probably good to do like another month or two parasite protocol just to make sure that you're cleaning things out. Um, so that's kind of where my head's at. Uh, I, I love your answer on so many levels. I wanna share a couple of things.
0: Number one, um, I, I was a little selfish in this question. I've had it asked me so many times, but I'm personally planning on doing a parasite cleanse in like, the quarter three of 2023. So this year now, because I gave birth to my first child last summer and I'm currently breastfeeding her, but I just feel some things like, I actually don't feel sick, but I feel something's off enough of like this, this, n- this nudge by my body of there's hmm. a healing opportunity. I'm actually going to do a test before I even do the cleanse. I don't really like doing things blindly, but, yeah. but It's interesting because it's actually been about two years since I did my last parasite cleanse, which Mm -hmm. was my first and it was life changing. I had, uh, uh, Oh my gosh. Now it's happening to me too. I can't remember the blastocystis hominis.
1: There you go. Which... And the names are so convoluted. You're like, ah, I can't remember.
0: Blastocystis hominis. And I don't know if you've come across this research. I've come across a couple of papers that were suggesting it's the most common parasite for people with IBS. I was actually really interested in the inner of it with the diagnosis of IBS.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I had IBS diagnosis. I was getting trained in all this work that we're talking about here. And I said, um, I, my health was actually at the best it'd been maybe my entire life at the time. But I said, I still see room for improvement, did a test and I had a huge amount of it in the stool test. It was just nasty. Um, wow. And so, but, but yeah, I, I've been th- sitting here thinking I've either been re-exposed to it or maybe with being pregnant, shout out to all my mama's of ent- if you've ever been a mama and you have not done massive healing postnatally um it you could, could be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago that you had your child but if your symptoms got worse and started getting worse after a kid or during a kid things like that um then you most likely got depleted like what you were saying Michelle I really liked hearing you say it you your body becomes less vital and then and then there's room for these pathogens to say, whoo-hoo, now's our time. We're gonna start kicking into gear. So it could be dormant or kind of hidden, and then you get weaker, like you do when you're giving all of your nutrients to a fetus and then things get worse. Absolutely. I wanna can I tag on one one other thing related to this sure. idea of parasites, longevity and stuff? How do you have a conversation with someone about family? Because parasites um can be Pass through a variety of means, stools, pretty common um, form factor. And if you have a family, you're like sharing a toilet and maybe you're wiping up your kid's poop off, you know, um, if they're in diapers, right? How do you have a conversation? How often are you recommending the entire family to get treated? How do you handle that conversation?
1: Um, I'm not going to force anyone to do something they don't want to do, but I am going to make the suggestion that if you have it, the rest of your family probably has exposure to this. And er like, again, everyone's body's individualized. So depending on their inherent weaknesses, they might be expressing symptoms more so than others. It might be more of an issue than others. And then I leave it up to them to decide, but I'll be like, your whole family could probably use a parasite cleanse in all fairness that you guys can just stop like throwing around at each other. And if someone's vitality is super weak that I'm working with, then I might even suggest that they bring the rest of their family in and get things cleaned up so that they have an easier time healing. So they're not just getting reinfected and re-inoculated with things uh, as they're trying to heal their system. But that's a tough one because not everyone has the financial means and the time and mums are busy enough and then they have to deal with their kids having, you know, like, so um, I make the suggestion and I say that I would strongly advise that everyone kind of go through this process, but that that that's that's where I have to leave it, right? Because it right. ends up being an individual choice. But I do educate them that there's a good chance people are just passing it around to each other. Yeah. Um, is there an age range, a minimum age range that you
0: work with or that you hear other, you know, parasite people talking about, or can you do infants or is there, you know, is there a certain age you want to wait to?
1: Um, not necessarily. I've helped clear them in, in kids. I haven't done anything in infants. I don't really treat a lot of infants. I definitely treat a lot of adults, but I'm comfortable treating it in kids. And I find kids, whether you like homeopathics or not, I find kids, their vitality is so much stronger. And I find that they respond to homeopathics. Plus also they don't want to take a dirty tincture liquid that tastes absolutely heinous. Um, that's a harder cell. So I find, and pills are too big. So I find homeopathics can be an easy way to help purge them. Um, but I haven't done any parasite cleansing in an infant. So it's probably like age three, four, five and up that I've had a little bit of experience with, but I would be comfortable doing it in kids. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Michelle,
0: thank you so much for being on the Petter Belly podcast. If somebody wants to reach out to you, follow you, go listen to your podcast, where can they find you?
1: Um, that naturopathic podcast is available on Spotify and Apple uh, or in iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Uh, my personal Instagram is DR, so dr. michelle underscore nd, so dr. Michelle underscore nd. My website. Dr. Michelle and D.ca, if you want to learn more, all of my links, if you wanted to work with me and stuff. That being said, if you are in the States, I can only work with people who are residents of Ontario based on my regulations. So just FYI, anybody listening. um But feel free to reach out if you have any questions and you need to just, and you just have some where point me to the direction should I see a functional medicine doctor? Is this a good test? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm happy to just create more awareness on it, but my Instagram is probably my most active area. And I, the month of December, I did talk about parasites quite a bit. So, but I alternate between liver, gallbladder, love, pooping, parasites, you know, those kinds of things.
0: I know we'll probably have to have you back on just to, just to hang out with all those topics. And we will have all those links for our listeners. We just wanted them to have the opportunity to hear it from your mouth. Well, Michelle, thank you so much again for being on the Better Belly podcast. It's been a lovely to have you here. I hope our listeners feel a lot more empowered as they think about parasites and think about their health and think about next steps that they can be taking to feel better. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for
1: having me. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Hey friend, thanks for joining us in today's episode. I hope that all the information on parasites was so helpful for you. If you are looking for more information to follow up on today's episode, we have links in the show notes related to all the things we talked about, including more episodes on your your liver and how to heal it, how to find a visceral manipulation practitioner near you, and my free total liver detox protocol that you can get right here on the show. Just scroll down and check out our show notes to see more. Also, if you are new to the podcast, I just want to say hello. I'm so glad you're here. If you haven't ever done so before and you enjoyed today's episode, I want to encourage you to click subscribe so you continue to get great content like this. Also, if you have a question after today's podcast episode or you've been listening for a while and you want to dive deeper into a topic, I want to invite you to submit your question to betterbellytherapies.com slash ask Allison. You can cord a short question for me and you may get featured on the Better Belly podcast with your question just go to betterbellytherapies.com slash ask Allison or click the link in the show notes lastly if you're looking for more ways to connect with me I want to invite you to my free Facebook community group go to betterbellytherapies.com slash Facebook and you can join a group of women just like you who are looking for answers and support on their health journey you are able to get further in your health you are not stuck and I would love to support you there Just go to betterbellytherapies.com slash Facebook or click the link in the show notes. Catch you guys next week.